Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. here bringing back in one of our favorite guests uh, your favorite guest Mike Piersack from the Post Gazette Mike how you doing today brother hey man living the dream how are you thanks for having me on again oh absolutely not a problem man D- doing good doing good I'm actually uh I shouldn't say I, I can't lie to my to the to the listeners. I'm actually not in the basement. I'm actually up at a lake house up in Dubois, Pennsylvania. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm actually living the dream right now. So that's that's where I'm at. Uh, like I, I, growing up in Western Michigan, like lakes everywhere. There's nothing better than just like a summer day hanging out by the lake. Like all like it is. It is my favorite thing to do in the world. I need to need to get back out to one at some point. Yeah, campfire, uh, fishing, kayak, and doing all that good stuff, and uh, of course, watching our buckos. Yesterday, I, I did it on my uh, my phone, sitting down by the fire with uh, with everybody crowded around us on Father's Day to uh, to watch our buckos lose. But it, it was a good game. But Mike, you uh, you were just out in Indy this past week got got out there to to kind of see a little bit of mitch keller so uh we haven't had you on and i have haven't actually gotten a chance to talk to you since uh since mitch keller was demoted down to indy so when he goes down there i it seems like the program right now was was one inning of of work and then it was supposed to be two innings of work so he's he's doing a little bit of bullpen work Uh, was that the plan all along uh to the best of your knowledge uh, because they said they want to keep him as a starter, but everything they've been doing so far has been out of the bullpen. Uh, what uh, what did you hear from them as as far as the plan for Mitch Keller right now? Yeah, the, the bullpen stuff. It's not like that's not permanent. He, he's he's going to um, you know he he's going to get some time out of the bullpen to start, but it's more of a tactic to like make sure like it, it's kind of a way uh, of artificially making him only think about pitching, if that makes sense, yeah. which I think is, is sort of a, sort of what he's down there for is it's like they can't identify any sort of mechanical issue right now or something that's really holding him back from um, the issues that have plagued him. And so it's more of a mental thing like, okay, we need you to just go down there and dominate and remember that you're a very good pitcher uh, and then be able to translate that to, a starting role and back in the majors and all of that. So, um, I, no, I, you know, I wouldn't read into the bullpen stuff as like, uh, you know, they're going to make him a closer or anything like that. It's just a way to, um, you know, he said it himself to me when I talked to him that like when he came out of the bullpen, that's the first time he's ever pitched out of the bullpen in his life. It was odd. He was thinking about warming up when he got in the game. It's kind of a sudden thing where all you really have time to do is think about pitching and he just blew everybody away. So that so it's part of that. It's kind of like retraining the brain kind of thing, I would, I would say. 
I was kind of the the guy that was on the I, I wouldn't say the the train or the, in the camp of of keeping him up here and and working on that bullpen stuff up here. So I I know that I've been asked that a lot where it's like okay well if that was the the goal then why couldn't that have been done up here? But it's it's more of a, a lot of different stuff going on with Mitch now for me. I mean I'm I'm not an expert, I'm not a pitching coach. Uh, I do see, you know, the the release points were a little bit off up here. The velocity was, you know, up and down. Uh, he'd throw 97 at one point in time, and then he'd go back down to 92 uh, with that fastball. Uh, is is that more of the, the mental side of stuff that that you're seeing, or is that like the actual physical mechanical stuff? Well, so so this is this is kind of the conversation I would miss, and and. and because uh, uh, he's talked all season about his fastball control specifically. It's not necessarily the velocity. It's just that he's not hitting the spots that, you know, he's, he's just not hitting the spots, right? It's it's not um, how he wants it to be. He's in and out of the strike zone a lot. He's missing a lot. Um, and so, like, that's been the issue that he has pointed out all year that's plagued him. Now, at the same time, when, he, when we've asked him, okay, well, do you know what's been leading to that? He's always said, no, he said, I, you know, if I knew I would have fixed it by now, it's frustrating. I can't figure it out. I've tried a million different things. It's not working. So in, in Indy, I, he said pretty much the same thing. And I said, you know, so does that lead you to believe that this is a mental thing, that there's something that, that when guys get on base or when something starts to go downhill for you, you just can't figure it out and get it right. And he said, yes, like that, that's that he agrees with that, that that's really the, the point of going down here is that if, if, the mechanics are like hit or miss, but it's more of a mental thing to be able to repeat the good ones over and over and over again, like he has, you know, all the way through his minor league career to this point. So, so I think that that's more of the issue. Um, and, and you know, to, to say that they wouldn't be working on anything mechanically would, would probably be a lie. I imagine that um, at least in the early going, Joel Hanrahan down there is going to, you know, watch him a few times and, and make sure he's got a good handle on him and things like that. Um, so, 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 you know, I'm sure that there will be some slight mechanical tweaking and stuff as they go, but I think it, it is setting him down in the minors is more of a, 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 of an acknowledgement that this is like a mental thing more than it is maybe a physical thing right now. It's like pitching versus throwing. Like he, he needs to, you know, not think about it, a repeatable motion, you know, get that going. Uh, one guy that's been able to show that uh, so far this year and, and doesn't really get uh, very rattled was the the guy we got to see pitch yesterday, which is uh, JT Brubaker, who's I was a supporter, I was a believer, but I still didn't see all this stuff that was coming. But what a lot of people want to talk about is uh, JT Brubaker's usage over especially the last few games. Uh, pitching fairly well, especially yesterday, uh, he had struggled in his last outing, but he only got up near, you know, into, you know, the 70 to 75 pitch range. Um, and then Derek Shelton, uh, they're calling it like the, the quick Shelty hook at this point in time. So from what you're seeing, is is there like a, I know before it used to be like that innings count with guys that, you know, haven't pitched consistently or for that long a period of time uh, because of last year's shutdown, or is it more... Uh, becoming like, okay, these are the number of pitches, and once you get up into that, that's when, you know, we might pull you, because we've seen that with Chase DeYoung recently. So, Mike, what what are you seeing uh, from the Pirates pitchers and, you know, the Sheltie quick hook, as it's been called? 
Yeah, so I think this is like, I don't know, I think there's a couple sides to this. Or at least one large sort of battle in my mind of like what Shelton is thinking as he does this sort of stuff. So, so a lot of these have been in close games or, or the Pirates are trailing, like that's the nature of them being a 25 and 45 team or whatever they are right now, you know? Uh, and so I think that there's, like if you think about it, it makes sense that, that if a team uh, is struggling offensively, then that nine spot is more often than not going to come up in like the sixth-ish inning, right? That, that, that pitcher's spot in the order will come up around there, you know? Uh, and if it's a close game and you need runs, then it's, I would assume, very tempting to, you know, pinch hit there, to, to put a position player in because that, you know, in your mind gives you a better chance to score runs. And so I think it's as much that as it is, um, as, as it is like, uh, you know, taking them out, taking the pitchers out just because, like, you don't think that they can, you know, throw effectively anymore you know what i'm saying so so like the 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 example that i would use to back this up is that uh the jt brubaker's longest start this year was a seven inning outing against the minnesota twins and it was in minnesota so you're playing the american league game you can just let him pitch you don't have to worry about um you know him coming up in the order or whether or not it's hurting you offensively no none of that you just let him pitch uh until he's too tired to go and then you take him out you know um, and now that was 79 pitches, which is not as most this season. So, so like, there's that side of it, too. But I don't know. I think yesterday was a little different because it was in the middle of, of an inning. Uh, like, the, it's not as much a question of, like, offense versus defense. It's more a question of do you believe that Chase and Shreve will get this guy out more effectively or more often than JT Brubaker would. So it's a different bit, a little different of a conversation for yesterday. But I think generally if you're looking at it and getting frustrated with, like, Oh gosh! Like why? You know, he's getting pinch hit for why, why, why? You know, whatever. I think a lot of times it's probably Derek Shelton balancing. Like, is it is it more valuable for us to have a hitter hitting here or a pitcher? You know, pitching or you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I think there's that side of it too. Yeah, but but you know, it's obviously yesterday was tough. Uh, I know what he was going for. Uh, it was against Bo Naylor, who has. Um, you know, far worse numbers against lefties and righties. So I understand that's what he's going for. If it works, maybe people still don't like it, but you know, you can you can live with it. It's it's just it's it's a tough look. I understand why he did it. Doesn't necessarily make it like the right call. Obviously, it wasn't in hindsight, but you know, it, it's it's certainly an interesting trend. I would say. Yeah, and here's the thing: is I mean, what people will say is it's not like you know, Chase and Shreve gave up you know a home run or anything. He gave up a a seeing eyed single. He got you know exactly what he wanted to get it just happened to you know find a hole it wasn't like it was hit super hard it wasn't like so that's where my point's going is that you know you can challenge this and believe me I was frustrated uh just like anybody else was uh and I think that sometimes like you're saying uh within the game and it's it's almost overthinking it and and becoming too analytical but the reason that happens is because most of the time it works. Like they aren't doing these types of things, you know what I mean, just to do them. It's not like, oh, you know, making all these changes to to play the, you know, the system and and then bring another guy in to bat to, you know, to pitch to this guy. Like it kind of worked out the way it was supposed to. And you don't nobody knows uh, you know, how JT was feeling. You don't know what they had told him before he went out there. So that's like a lot of stuff 
uh, that goes in there. And, and I like the stuff that you pointed out about, you know, in the American League game, it's it's not something that has to be, you know, worried about as much. And we do have an American League team coming in this this week who who may be looking at some of the Pirates players. We have the White Sox, but, you know, we're playing in the National League here, so they're going to have to, you know, have their, their pitchers hit here for, you know, a couple games. But that brings us to, you know, Rick Hahn possibly looking at some of the players like an Adam Frazier with uh, Nick Madrigal out. On the trade front here, uh, I, one of your uh, your coworker Jason Mackey wrote uh, an article. You know, why are we talking about Brian Reynolds being traded? Why are we talking about all this other stuff? But Ben Sherrington has said that he looks for this stuff to pick up uh, in the next couple weeks here. So what's uh, what's Ben looking at, and and do you think he's listening on everybody? Yeah, I mean, he's pretty much said as much. Um, yeah, I don't know. So so. No one's asked him explicitly, are you shopping around Brian Reynolds? Uh, what was asked of him on Saturday was, you know, because he said this last year that, you know, no one, no one's off the table. No one is untouchable, um, you know, uh, that they'll listen to whatever offer. They get blown away by somebody who's, who's offering just like a crazy good deal on, on uh, you know, Brian Reynolds. I imagine that they would listen. Uh, so I think his larger point is just that, They'll 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 pick up the phone for anybody who's calling and hear you out. But if you're offering, you know, your ninth best prospect for Q. Brian Hayes, they'll they'll still probably laugh at you. you know? <laughs> uh, so, so I think I think it's I think that it makes sense um, to approach it that way. I don't think it it really changes my mind on whether or not I think Brian Reynolds or or whoever is more or less likely to be traded. Um, I mean, this is a team that is 20 games under 500, right? Uh, 70 games in a season, less than halfway through the season, they are 20, 20 games under 500. That is bad. Uh, that that that's not a good team. So they should be listening to everybody on everybody. Um, depending on, you know, I I I agree with Jason and anyone else who uh, doesn't want Brian Reynolds to be traded. I think that that's, a, you know, I think that I, I agree with that. I, I don't think he should be traded. I think he's young enough and good enough where. You should be trying to build around him and keep Ryan Hayes and, and whoever else you believe is part of your core. But that doesn't that doesn't you know I imagine that the Pirates would certainly listen to anyone who's who's asking about him, whether or not they're um, sort of what they believe should come in return for Brian Reynolds uh, matches up with the other team. I, I I think that the Pirates would probably be asking for a ton for him um, as as well they should. So so I think that. I, I don't think I don't hear. Yeah, we're listening on everybody to mean like, oh my God, they're really thinking of trading Brian Reynolds. I just think it, it you know, you take it for what's what what the words are. It, they're they're literally just listening to everybody, and what happens, we'll see. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives, and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. 
And now check out the new 2500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms right now at creakybone.com. You don't want to hang up the phone on anybody. You don't want to, you kind of want to see, okay, what is, you know, this guy willing to offer? It's like playing like a game of chess or if you're a poker player, whatever it would be uh, to just kind of feel out the other teams. And also during that time, you can get a good look at uh, the team system. Uh, What's going on? Uh, We mentioned it, myself and Chris did, uh, after uh, the, you know, Jamison Tyon trade had happened, I said they're probably fairly familiar uh, with the Yankees system just because uh, the Yankees had been looking at some of our players during the season. So you became intimately familiar with, you know, those players. You got to scout them a little bit more. You got to hear a little bit more about them. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. I, I think that people in Pittsburgh, unfortunately, have have come to jump to those conclusions that it's like they hear a name and it's just like, oh, dear God, he's gone. Uh, whereas it's like we just want to see, you know, gauge what the other teams are thinking as far as this, you know, this fast approaching trade market goes. So there's nothing wrong with that. And I definitely agree with with both you and Jason. I think that it would be smarter to to build around Brian Reynolds. But if somebody comes in and they blow you away with an absolute haul and it, you don't know when your window of opportunity is going to come, you can't like really not not listen to that. I, I don't want to see it happen. No one wa- no one really wants to see it happen. Uh, but it's it's definitely something that's going to be interesting, you know, as the the trade deadline approaches. But before that, uh, we have uh, the draft coming in. We have you know the the number one pick, and uh, everybody's saying shortstop. We're going shortstop, and that is making some Pirates fans lose their mind. Uh, but. As far as as the draft goes, uh, what are some of the players that that you have been looking at? Maybe just in you know your free time, what you've been hearing. Uh, what uh, what direction do you think the Pirates are going to go in this year's draft? So I read something that was extremely interesting to me. So so to me, you know, it's trending towards shortstop, um, but the 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 reason for it that everyone is is giving is that those guys are probably going to be cheaper in terms of like under slot value for that first overall pick. And I know that people will hear that and get upset of like, why are you cheaping out on the first overall pick? Like that seems ridiculous. Uh, that was actually my first reaction. I think I wrote in a mailbag, something along those lines. Uh, my mind has since been changed that that would be a bad thing. Um, so basically if you have, you know, four or five guys at that first overall pick that, that, that are around the same sort of, upside or, or level of play, then you should take the cheapest guy so that you can spend larger later on and maybe, um, you know, woo another player to come to your organization that would have otherwise gone to college or whatever, you know, that like there, there are plenty of good reasons for, um, you know, saving that slot money for later in the draft to, to pay someone else more money to, to get them to you. Um, but what, what, what I, the, the interesting thing that I read is that, that fluctuates, right? Their impression of who is going to be the cheapest to sign fluctuates as guys are getting different attention or, or their stocks are rising and falling. You know what I'm saying? Kylie McDaniel from ESPN wrote this, that, that 
in fact, he believes that because of last year and how odd it was scouting guys and, and the fact that teams don't have as maybe a thick of a book on these players coming out of, of high school or college or whatever, attention paid to players in mock drafts, which sounds ridiculous, I know, but that, <laughs> that may play into how much a guy is worth when they are actually drafted. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like it's not so odd, but but I, I, I understand what he's saying, that, that in lieu of you know, scouting and attention and all that being paid to guys, there's all these mock drafts. And if Marcelo Meyer is mock drafted six times in a row to the Pirates, well, now Marcelo Meyer, his stock has risen where maybe he has a higher asking price than Jordan Waller down in Texas now suddenly, you know? Like, it, it's, it's kind of it, it's kind of an interesting way of thinking about it. But, but that is the way I'm thinking about it, that uh, the high school guys, in theory, would probably, uh, you, you could probably get them for cheaper than maybe the college pitchers. Um, and then use that money later on down the road in the draft to, to like I said, woo someone else over to you that, that maybe you wouldn't otherwise have been able to do. Um, and so, like, that seems to be why those guys are at the top of the draft boards every time you see a mock draft. But, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what the, the um, sort of track record is for this kind of thing. Maybe that can flip. Maybe, maybe if Marcelo Meyer and Jordan Waller get all this buzz, maybe now Jack Leiter becomes cheaper. I don't know. Um, but right now, it does seem like things are trending towards high school, towards the prep shortstop guys. Yeah, and and what people you know also need to understand is it's like you know paying less. It's it's not like you know there's slot values. Like you can't pay you know much more or much less. It's it's a difference of I I made an example. It's it's a difference of it sounds like a lot of money, but it's a difference of maybe you know five hundred k. It's not like you know you're saving that little bit of money. You're not saving millions upon millions of dollars, and the pirates will spend eventually spend all that money within the draft. And it's the difference of right now, like you're saying, there's not that clear, you know, number one. There's not those, there's guys that are, have been fluctuating up and down. It's not like, you know, the times before where it's like, you know what? Spencer Torkelson, like, he's that guy. You know, that's who it's going to be. That's if you don't pick that person, then this is a huge mistake with this. It's like, you know, this guy's a pretty projectable college arm. And this guy, we believe, is a pretty projectable, you know, high school shortstop. So it's there's not uh, that one. So when, when people that's the other part is when people are saying, well, oh, they'll go cheap and they, you know, but you're saying like like you're saying they are going to use that to be able to get you know, the biggest crop of, of talent and the biggest crop of players, as opposed to, you know, maybe possibly overpaying, you know, just for one of those number one picks where, you know, there's not a huge bit of difference in between there. Uh, and what I wanted to go to next has to do kind of with the draft and with the trades is right now in, in Pittsburgh and in, in Indianapolis, uh, there's like a little bit of a just kind of like a, a log jam. There's a depth chart log jam where, you know, some certain players may be, you know, I don't think they're being held back on promotions, but you are looking at, okay, when they are eventually promoted, you know, who goes, who stays. Uh, and, and Ben talked about this, uh, you know, most recently over the weekend as far as, you know, what players are working on and when stuff, you know, players would be uh, promoted. 
with uh, O'Neill Cruz. That's where everybody's mind is going right now because he's one of the, you know, the top prospects who's, you know, close enough to, you know, at least be sniffing, you know, PNC Park to a degree. Uh, with O'Neill Cruz, we see the plays at shortstop. We see the plays at outfield. I just kind of want to get your straight shooter, Mike. Uh, O'Neill Cruz, shortstop, outfield, or or both. What what's going on here? Uh, I so he's he still has not played outfield other than in spring training. Uh, I think that he's like to me he's a shortstop until he can't be anymore. Like that that's that's the way that I think they should be playing it. Now, he's going to play some outfield. Like, everything that Ben Sherrington said explicitly, that he's going to play some outfield in Altoona uh, at some point. Uh, so, like, I, I, and I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think that that's fine uh, because, it, it, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing to, like, have him play other positions and have him ready to do that if need be. Uh, because my overarching opinion is that you don't want the defense to be the reason that he's not promoted when the bat is ready to be promoted to the major leagues. You know what I'm saying? So you might as well have him ready for everything so that, you know, say Kevin Newman's still around, you really want him to keep playing shortstop or whatever. Now, I could make an argument that O'Neill Cruz should be playing shortstop over Kevin Newman if that's the case. <laughs> but say, say that that's the case, but you have a spot in left or right field or whatever, and you can, you know, you can bring O'Neill Cruz up and still have him in the lineup every day. Uh, and, and, you know, find a position for him if he has experience at both. So I think that that's an okay thing to do. Uh, now, in my personal opinion, I don't think that – I don't think he's done anything to where I think that he should, you know, be sent to the outfield immediately right away. Like, you know, he's, he's a lost cause at shortstop or anything like that. Like, he's been making some great plays. Like, sure, he makes some mistakes with the arm – uh, but you know, I don't think it's like, I, I haven't seen anything where I'm like, Oh God, you know, get this guy out of shortstop. It's, it, it's disgusting to watch or anything like that. You know, like he, he's, he's fine. He's had some issues here and there, but he's a double a player. Like he'll, he'll work through them. And, and, you know, there, everyone brings up the Fernando Tatis jr. Example, obviously not the exact same apples to apples comparison in terms of like talent, but, Fernando Tatis Jr. makes a ton of errors at shortstop for the Padres, and they're not moving him anytime soon. So, um, you know, I, I think of it in a similar way where it's like errors can be a little deceiving. Um, it, he's he's played shortstop. They're working through it with him. They still probably want him to play shortstop in the majors. Uh, and then, you know, if, 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 if the situation calls for it, uh, it's better to have him able to play the outfield if need be than to have him only be a shortstop, and that's the only spot he can play, you know? So that, that's kind of the way I'm thinking of it. Yeah, it's, and it's definitely, like, a, a tricky situation, especially, like, within the minors. And I'm, I'm actually glad they're doing it, you know, more down in thinking about doing it in, in AA and, and getting him, you know, those reps down there as opposed to, you know, the Cole Tucker outfield experiment that, that happened more out of necessity and, and more out of wanting to, you know, continue to get Tucker at bats as opposed to, you know, what they would want to do with O'Neill, which is just kind of, okay, the bat's progressing, this has been great, but we need to see this, you know, as becoming more of a pattern as opposed to, you know, this, you know, three-week, you know, tear that he's on. So I, I definitely, I think that, you know, people are just getting a little bit, uh, I guess, just antsy, and they want to see the team turn around, but, you know, 
like you said, the team's 20 games under 500 right now. So I, I think that, you know, injecting some of that youth into that could have an effect, you know, positively for a, a short period of time. But you're looking at the overall thing and you also don't want to, you know, mess with a player's development. So it's, it's more trusting, you know, what's going to go on and, and moving on from there. So, Mike, I really appreciate you jumping back on, man. And, and like I said, you are very open and honest. You you answer even the tough questions that I throw at you that you don't even know that's coming. And uh, I know that we appreciate it. And uh, the fans of Bucks in the Basement appreciate it. So, guys, go out there. Uh, follow Mike on Twitter at Mike D. Piersack. Uh, read his stuff over at the Post-Gazette. Uh, read Jason Mackey's stuff over there. Especially with the you know the trade deadline, the uh, the draft coming up, and everything, Mike, brother, thank you so much for jumping on. Can't wait to do this again. Appreciate it, Craig. Thanks as always. Uh, you know, always look forward to it. Always have a good time. So appreciate it. Now I see the changes in this town. They change. They say one thing, but. The-